We're in a series called Open Doors to, and today, to a new you. Next week, I don't want you to miss the message as I talk about opening doors to convictions. And then the following week, opening doors to your imagination. Truly, I'm glad that you're here. With the weather as it is out there and they're predicting snow and all that kind of stuff, I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you are online. This happens to be one of my favorite times of the year after the holidays. And it's because that's when you and I get ready to attack a new year. It is where we begin to prayerfully think about our lives and all that God has in store for us. The truth of the matter is, as we look into 2021, we don't know what is going to come our way. Just like in the year 2020, none of us expected, did we? A world epidemic. Call it whatever you like. COVID, COVID COVID-19, the Chinese virus. None of us expected that. And guess what? The same thing is true for this new year that is upon us. But I don't want to start with what we know or what we don't know about years past or even what we think is going to happen this year. I want to start with what God knows about our future. And it's summarized, I think, in a very popular verse that always comes to my mind at this time of year. And it's Jeremiah. It's not foreign to you, I'm sure. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, where God says to Jeremiah, I know what I am planning for you, says the Lord. I have good plans for you, not plans to hurt you. I will give you hope and a good future. Amidst all of the unknowns that face us as we enter into this new year, we can know this, that God has good plans for us. You can know that whether the circumstances of this year are good or bad or ugly. You can know with certain that you have something good to look forward to. Now you may be sitting there and you may think, well, George, how do you know this? Because Paul talks about this in the New Testament as well. In Philippians 3, he talks about the past and he talks about the future. Listen to this right here. I press on. In other words, he's moving on into the future. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it yet. In other words, it's still out there. This good that God has for Paul, for you and I, it's still out there. I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, 2020, and reaching forward to what lies ahead, 2021, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward to Christ. That goal of winning the prize, folks, is still out in your future. In other words, the greatest things in your life, guess what? Are still to come, even in 2020, regardless of the circumstances. Now, starting from this hope, I want to talk about what you and I can do to make the new year new. Because if I'm going to have a new year, folks, I want it to be new, right? 
I don't want to have happy same year. No. I want to have a happy new year. Because the reality is this. Most people have the same year again and again and again and again. And nothing is ever new about it, and they're not new. So how do you make the new year new? Well, one of the keys is by asking yourselves questions at the beginning of the year. As I work with leaders, as I work with my staff, I'm always uh, posing the question, what questions are you asking yourself? Because if you ask the right questions, you get the right results. Now, you may be sitting here and you may be thinking, well, in order for me to have a new, a new year, what kind of questions should I be asking? Well, one of the things I absolutely love about the Bible is that the Bible challenges us to ask the right questions, first of all and foremost, about ourselves. We ask ourselves questions all the time, but the Bible challenges us to ask questions that go to the heart, first of all, of who we are. To go beyond the shallow, to go beyond the surface, to go beyond the superficial, to go to the depth of our being. Now there are hundreds of questions that the Bible poses to you and I about who we are. But today I just want to give you and I three. Because I believe these three questions will cause us to have a new year and not a same year. The first one is this, and this is simple. What, you might write these down. What, what do I need to put off and what do I need to put on? Sometimes as we start a new year, we ask ourselves questions about budget, business, marriage, family. And the questions that revolve around those things are what should I stop and what should I start? What should I do more of and what should I do less of? But I like this question from the Bible. When do, when, what do I need to put off and what do I need to put on? Because it goes to the heart of me. What needs to change first and foremost in me? Notice how Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter four, verse 22 and following. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul says you need to put off the old and you need to put on the new. To put off the old means you need to put off what you used to be without Christ. The old way of thinking, the, the old behavior. You got to put off the old and you got to put on the new. And the new is what God has given you in Christ. 
New convictions, which we'll talk about next week. New dreams that we will talk about the week after that. You put on new thoughts, new words, new feelings, and new actions. That's what it means to put on. Does that make sense? You see, the Bible talks about this again and again and again in the terms of clothing. You take off the old shirt and you put on the new shirt. When you're quarantined, I was quarantined for really 14 days, to be honest with you, with Cheryl being under the weather. You find yourself with a lot of time, right? I do not like watching TV. I worked from eight to five every day, did my exercises halfway through the day, but I found myself in the evening, well, what am I gonna do? I don't wanna watch any TV. So I found myself in the closet. People have asked me this, I don't know for how many years. Pastor George, how many Hawaiian shirts do you have? There are 10 up here. I have 13 times that amount. I've counted every one of them. I found some that I hadn't worn in years. New. I have 130 Hawaiian shirts. Now, people also ask, George, how many uh, vans do you have? I have 18 pair of vans. It's just amazing when you're bored, the things that you give yourself to, okay? But the Bible talks about putting off old shirts and putting on new shirts. That is how it's supposed to work. And that's what you do again and again and again and again. If you try to put on a new shirt over an old shirt, let me tell you what's going to happen. That new shirt isn't going to fit. Can you imagine what size of shirt I would need today if I kept wearing and putting over the new shirts, 130 new shirts? It would be quadruple X large, right? And by the way, if all you do is take off your old shirt and you don't put on a new shirt, you're going to be naked as a jaybird. And that ain't going to look pretty either because, folks, I've seen myself naked and you can see my roly-polies around my hip. It is not a pretty sight, okay? It's supposed to work. You take off the old and you put on the new. You've got to do both. That is the power of this process. You replace the old with the new. Otherwise, what happens is that you've got this big empty spot in the middle of you. And what results is worse things start filling it in. Jesus shared a whole story about this in Mark 12. He says, you know what? You can clean out the uh, evil desires that are within you. But if you leave that space unoccupied, those evil desires are going to come back and they're going to come back with a vengeance. And so you got to replace it with the new. Let me give you an example here. You just don't stop gossiping. I'm just not going to gossip anymore. That isn't how it works. Gossip is a strong desire, is it not? I know something that you don't. Let me fill in some blanks for you. Some spicy stuff. No, you don't stop gossiping. You, or you just, yeah, you just don't stop gossiping. You have to replace it with something new. I am going to speak words 
of encouragement. You just don't stop envying. Envying is a strong desire to have something that is not yours and you are willing to destroy other people to get it. And folks, we see that in our culture today. I guarantee you this. It's not enough just to stop envying. You've got to replace it with something new. Instead of trying, wanting, I'm going to give. You stop sexual immorality by replacing it with sexual impurity. You just don't stop anger. No, you got to replace it with listening. This is a simple process. And to be honest with you, I've not always, I, I've not always been successful at it. And so what I want to do is I want to give you a visual picture, honestly, how I have failed over the years. And I have put it right here in front of us. This is a cake. This is the old. This is fruit. This is the new. You got to take off the old and you got to put on the new. Let's just say this. I just want to eat differently in 2021. Now you understand, right? That this principle that I'm talking about here just isn't reserved for food. It's just an easy illustration. And so let's say I'm going to put off the old. I'm going to eat differently. And if I try to do that by saying, you know what? I'm not going to eat that cake. I'm not going to smell that cake. I'm not going to look at that cake. I'm not going to get close to that cake. I'm never going to participate in cake making. Guess what? We know what's going to happen, right? I'm going to get close to that cake. I'm going to smell that cake. I'm going to put a fork in my hand. I'm going to take a piece of that cake. end up eating that cake as long as you are caught up in the old folks you and I will never change now I know what some of you are thinking right now but I have willpower pastor George I can be close to the cake and not eat the cake I can smell the cake and not eat the cake I can even have a fork in my hand and I won't put it in the cake and that may be true But guess what? You're still caught up in cakeness. It's like you're still in the no zone. And folks, that's not a good place to be because there's some people that that, that lived in the no zone that were enemies of Jesus. And you know who they were? The Pharisees. In Jesus' day, the Pharisees' whole identity was in no No, don't do that. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. And they were caught up as a result of this knownness of pride. Because folks, they were really good at saying no. 
They started building people around them of other no people. And they would look down at all the yes cake people that were out there. You just don't say no. Because if you leave that void empty, something worse will come in like pride. The only way that you get rid of the old is by turning around and going the opposite direction by choosing the new. Wow. And the closer and closer you get to the new, the further away the old is. And the closer you get to it, eventually you begin to see, you know what? I am in a different place now. A different place than I have ever been before. But the old still exists. But as long as I focus in on the new, folks, I don't see the old. You got to put off the old and you got to put on the new. Now, I have been doing this for decades. Sometimes successfully, sometimes unsuccessfully. And over 40 plus years as a Christian, I have discovered that there are some traps that I have fallen into that, that has slowed my process down of experiencing and being the new of what God wants me to have. And the first new is this one, perfectionism. It's a trap. Thinking, you know what, I've made this decision and I'm gonna execute on it perfectly. Now, I hate to disappoint you because it's the beginning of the year, a new year, 2021. You are not going to be perfect. And the sooner you and I accept that, the better life is going to be because the devil loves that trap. Folks, he loves for you to establish new goals because he can come in and he can talk and say, guess what? You're gonna do this perfectly. And yet as soon as you fail, he's gonna say, well, now that you're not perfect, you might as well just give up on the whole thing. That's how he works. Or as you move towards the new, you're gonna begin thinking, you know what? I'm really good. I'm perfect. I got this one under my belt. And that's about the time the rug gets pulled out from under you. Perfectionism is a trap. The second one is what I call a one and done trap. Well, I've decided that I'm going to put on this new, and guess what? It's done. It's done. No, that's not true. It takes more than a one-time decision. It, it, It has to be a daily decision, like putting on clothes. You just don't put on new clothes one time a year, do you? At least I hope not, okay? No. You put on new clothes daily. Now, I want you to follow me with this. The older you are, age-wise, the more mature you are, the more seasoned you are, we like to disguise those things. That's a true statement, isn't it? 
You put on your clothes, new clothes once a day. The younger you are, age-wise, the, 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 the more childish you are, the more immature you are, you put on new clothes frequently. Preschool moms know this principle real well. Okay, they're changing their, their, their preschoolers' clothes frequently. They love them. They want them to be the best. I, I, even over the holiday season, though I didn't get to see my son uh, from D.C. or my daughter-in-law, Sarah, with my new grandson, seven months old, we would see them through, I don't know, FaceTime, Zoom, something like that, and would say, oh, man, Big D looks so cute. Oh, yeah, well, this is his fifth outfit. Now, here's the point. When you are spiritually immature in an area, you will need to make the decision many times throughout the day to put your new clothes on. But understand this. Just like that preschool mom who loves her child unconditionally, so does God with you. Changing your clothes spiritually is a moment-by-moment decision. The third trap is simply this. It just doesn't feel right. When you start putting on the new, it's not going to feel right because you're so used to the old. I went out there and bought a pair of boots. First pair of boots, I've been in Texas I, 38 years, something like that. They felt weird compared to my vans. Let's say you're sarcastic, and that's kind of your personality type, so to speak. And you decide, you know what, I'm not going to be sarcastic and just put people down. I'm going to build people up. And as you begin to do that, guess what? You're going to look at yourself and you're going to think, who in the world am I? This just feels weird. And other people who are used to you being sarcastic, they're going to look at you and they're going to think, who is this person? But you have decided to be a different person. And just because the familiar, the familiar, ugly sweaty sweatshirt that you have feels better doesn't mean you shouldn't change it. Folks, it takes time to experience the grace and power of God. It takes time to experience the new strength, the new energy. And so it has to be done on a daily basis until things start to click. Do you remember the movie Karate Kid? Come on, work with me. We've all seen it, right? Wax on with the right, wax off with the left. Breathe in through your nose, breathe out through your nose and mouth. Wax on, wax off. Breathe in, breathe out through both. Wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. Why did the master, or karate master make Daniel, the, the, the karate kid, wax on, wax off again and again and again? Why did he do that? To build muscle memory. 
You have spiritual muscle memory that needs to be developed. And it's not developed in a day. It comes slowly but surely. And God begins to change you. You will never become perfect, but he will perfect you. Let me give you a couple of verses on the new. Romans 13, 12 and verse 14. Verse 12, it says, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness. That's the old. And put on the armor of light. That's the new. Paul describes the putting on of the new like putting on the armor of light. And folks, let's admit it. We live in a dark world, don't we? We've seen a lot of darkness this week. And it's not going to get any better until people start putting on the armor of light. What is that armor? Take a look at what Paul says just two verses later. Verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let selfish think and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. What is the armor of light? Folks, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now there are a lot of steps that you can take in order to do that. And you can text 94,000 if you want to get into a group. That's one way. Or you want to become a member, you can type that in. Say, hey, 94,000, I'd like to become a member of a spiritual family that's going in this direction. But let me give you one spiritual and practical way this year. And that is dropping Christ from your head to your heart. Of making it more than just a religion and rules and regulations, but rather making it a relationship. And in that relationship, express it outwardly through baptism. Paul talks about this in Galatians 3.27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Take some practical steps. The second question is a simple question. And it is this. Where are the closed doors and where are the open doors? God tells us in Jeremiah, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. How do I get in on those plans? Folks, we would all right now, would we not want want God just to download them automatically into our brains or onto our laptops or in our computers? But that isn't how it works, does it? In fact, will you write this down? God's plans aren't delivered. They're discovered. The open doors are discovered. The closed doors are discovered. Closed and open doors are discovered through a process of faith. Look at some of these these, uh, verses about doors in 1 Corinthians 13, 9. There is a wide open door for a great work here, although many oppose me. You see, an open door is where God is working. And folks, God is working in LifePoint Church. 
It has been a two and a half year, maybe a three year process of us finding a new pastor, okay? But God is working. Wherever God is working, that's an open door. God is working in our church. God is working. He's working in you. Maybe through your finances. Maybe through your marriage. Maybe through your work. Maybe through your family. But God is working. And where God is working doesn't mean that there aren't going to be problems. In fact, notice that it says, many oppose me. It's not going to be easy peasy. No, there's going to be giants in the land. But Paul says God is doing a great work, but there are problems. Now, the thing that's great about God's doors that he opens is this out of Revelation 3, verse 8. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. Isn't that interesting? What God opens, no one can close. But the opposite is also true. What God has closed, no one can open. Some of you are worn out from knocking on a lot of doors. From trying to force doors open. And they may even be good doors, right? But they just don't seem to open. This year, instead of trying to force doors open, look for God's open doors. How do you find them? How do you discover them? There is a story in Acts of Paul seeking to spread the good news in Asia and Eurasia to different cities. And some cities were closed and some cities were open. Let's read this story. Acts 16. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region. Now, when you encounter a word, it's a kind of a weird word, at least for us in our culture, you can just say the, le- the first letter, P. Okay, so w- let's try this. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of P and Galatia. I know that one having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, and they tried to enter B, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. I know that one. During that night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, I want you to notice two things that Paul kept doing in this story. He kept trusting and he kept moving. First, he kept trusting. He trusted that God had an open door, a bright future for him in the way of his ministry. Folks, that happened to us. If you remember, we had that first slate of candidates and there wasn't the right timing and it wasn't the right fit. But the board just kept trusting. George, are you willing to ante up? Well, you bet I am. Let's keep trusting God. 
Now, I have discovered over some years that, that sometimes when a door closes on a person, they take it personal. They see the door close and they begin to think, okay, that's it. I'm done. Forget about it. I don't have a future whatsoever. You know, I have tried to go on a mission trip and now this COVID thing, I'm not going to go on a mission. That's it. I, God doesn't have me in missions. Oh yeah, that business, it failed. I'm done. Forget it. I'm never going to start another business ever again. Oh, dating. Oh yeah. I tried to get a date with that girl, that significant other. Yeah, forget it. Folks, it's just a closed door. It doesn't mean that God doesn't have a future for you. He does. Notice that it says that the Holy Spirit kept them from preaching the good news. Why is that? The good news is good, right? It is. Well, what's wrong with preaching the good news? Why wouldn't the Holy Spirit allow them to go to these certain cities? Got an answer for that? If you do, let me know, because I don't know. I know, but I do know this. There have been good things that you wanted to do last year that you couldn't do. There were good things that I wanted to do. Folks, I wanted to spend time with my new grandson that I couldn't do. Now, it's interesting. As I look back on those times, just as I look back on that time when we had that first slate of candidates, and yet it didn't go through, I thought, you know what? Now that I'm further behind it, because hindsight is better than foresight, right? I can see, okay, God, I can see what you were doing in me. I can see what you were doing in other people. But to be honest with you, at that time, I couldn't see it. God, what in the world are you doing? Why are you doing this right now? My kids flew all the way from D.C. And you know what? I can't see my, my grandson, Big D. I can't hold him. I can't caress him. I would never change his pants. That's Cheryl's job. <laughs> and you want to know something? Every time I ask God why, he didn't give me an answer. He just said this, George, keep moving on. So this new year, let it be a year of recognizing the wonder of closed doors. And in those closed door situations, give God thanks. Because I can guarantee you this, this year, this new year, you're going to experience some closed doors. But they're going to be there because God wants to get you to an open door. The second thing that you notice about Paul is that God works better with a moving object than he does a still one. When you are moving, he can divert you. He can direct you. When you are standing still, folks, you, that is hard to do. And yet here is what I have noticed in 40 plus years of ministry. There are doors that are closed for some people. And you know what they do? They camp out in front of the door and say, I am not moving from this door until God opens it. And they call that faith. When in reality, it's nothing more than stubbornness. Now, let's be honest. 
We're all stubborn. (laughs) We've all been stubborn at one time or another where we've said, God, this is the door I want you to open. I don't want you to open that door. I want you to open this door. And I'm not moving until it opens. And at the same time, at the same time as we have fought that, we've heard God whisper to us, the door's closed. Move on. Paul trusted God by moving on until eventually he came to Troas. And Troas was not the open door at all. But Troas was the place where God revealed to him what the open door was going, or where the open door was going to be. And to be honest, we don't like that either. Because when we're at a closed door, we want to go directly from the closed door to the open door. But it hardly works that way, does it? There is always a troas in between, a place of waiting in between. And some of you right now at the beginning of this year are in a troas situation. You are working for a a troas ink. You are dating Sam Troas, Sally Troas. Folks, when you're in a troas, you feel like it is a dead end. But it's not. It is the place where God is going to show you the next open door. But that only happens if you trust God and you keep moving. And that is what's happened with our board and our new search. I am so excited because hindsight, I see it. The third question is, and it's a simple question, is you got to ask yourself what is important and what is really important. This year, you not only ask yourself, where is that closed door? And God, help me uh, not to take it personal and, and resign to say, oh, okay, it's over with now. But to trust you to see the open door. But you've got to ask the question, what seems important and what is really important? As you turn the page of a new year, folks, it's a great time, is it not, to evaluate your priorities. As human beings, we get stuck with those things that seem important. And Jesus understood this. In his Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 6, He addresses this. Let me read it. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What Jesus is saying here is that it's easy to get stuck on what seems important. Food over life, clothes over body, our purposes over God's purposes. But he says, if you will focus on those things that are really important, I'll throw in those things that seem important. And in this verse, he encourages us, he challenges us with the phrase, and will you circle it? 
seek first? What does God put first? Folks, we all know the answer, right? We know it, okay? We even know the story in which it comes from. That guy who comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, will you really just tell us what the most important commandment is? And I think as we begin this new year, folks, it's important that we begin to realign our thinking with all the great things that God has in store for us. What Jesus said out of Matthew 22. Here's the story. Teacher, which command in the law is the most important? And Jesus answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and all your mind. This is the first and most important command. And the second command is like the first, love your neighbor as you love yourself. The answer is love. Love God and love others. Our purpose statement, Dennis went over it this past week. A great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church and great people. Can you commit to something that you don't know? Sure you can. We don't know God that well. And yet making a great commitment to love him and to love others moves us in the right direction. And yet oftentimes what happens in our life is that we seek, we chase, we pursue success. And that, those, those things, hey, they're good things. There's nothing wrong with those things. But what we do is we hope and we pray and we wish that everything else just kind of falls into its place. And Jesus comes along and he says, I want you to flip it. I want you to trust me with the successful things and I want you to put first things First. And it doesn't mean that we don't pursue, or we don't give time to those things that seem important. We do, but we put first things first. Paul said it like this in Galatians 5, 6. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Everything is bathed in love. So for the new year in order to be new, you have to care differently. You have to choose differently. And you have to commit differently. This year, as we start this journey together as a spiritual family, will you commit to put off the old and put on the new? Will you commit to stop Remaining in front of closed doors and, look at it and looking at it as a personal insult. But rather be committed, God, I want to keep trusting you and moving to those open doors. And will you commit to seeking God's kingdom and loving God and loving others and even our new pastor? When he gets here. Because I have. Let's pray. Lord I just thank you. For new days. Every 24 hours there is a new day. And every Sunday there is a new week. And after 31, 29, 28, 30, 31 days, there's a new month.
And there are new seasons. Summer, fall, winter, spring. God, you're always doing something new. And God, may we be those who don't experience the same year again and again and again. But may we be those who experience a new year. I don't know where you're at. Maybe for you, online or even in person in the big house, this is coming to church, listening to a message is just what you do. It's become a regulation or a rule, but it's not a relationship. Will you resolve in your heart, God, this year, I want to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if you've never dropped Christ from your head to your heart, you can do that just by simply just saying, God, right now I admit <laughs> I've been filled full of pride. I, I've, I've operated off of willpower and I've looked down at others who couldn't do what I've done. But God, I know I fall short of your standard of perfection. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. And right now, I want to receive him. I want to drop him from my head into my heart. Come in. Thank you for the forgiveness that I have in you. Thank you that you love me unconditionally, that you're going to give me a new strength, that you're going to give me new energy, that you're going to give me a new sense of your grace and your power as I walk in this world, God. Thank you for that. And if you prayed that prayer, simple as it was, will you just let us know? You can let us know through text or even after this service, you can come up to me. God, we give you this new year. We look forward to building convictions. We look forward to dreaming new dreams. In Christ's name we pray, amen.